Hey, what's up guys? Britton Frost here for episode five of the Overthought and Understated podcast where I uh, overthink a bunch of stuff and don't nearly say as much as I probably could about it. Um, for one, I, I don't always take notes with these things. So um, yeah, sorry, sorry I haven't been posting much content uh, in the last few months. I have done a few YouTube videos. I've been more active on YouTube, uh, so check out my YouTube channel. Um, but um, yeah, I, I've been meaning to do a little more with the podcast, and I just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, for one, I've been mostly living with my parents this summer um, to save money in preparation to move to London to uh, do my master's degree in philosophy under Sir Roger Scruton, uh, who's a prominent um, thinker um, on the conservative end of things. I'm really, uh, really excited to do that. Um, so I, I've been busy with, you know, preparing for that. Um, but also, you know, the, the other reason I guess I haven't been posting much is cause I'm lazy as fuck. Uh, you know, I'm low in trait, uh, conscientiousness from a big five perspective, um, relatively low, um, like below 50%. Um, not so low that I just can't do anything ever, but, uh, you, you get the idea. Uh, not using that as an excuse. It's something I'm obviously trying to, um, improve um about myself especially since i'll be way out on my own uh, in a foreign country in uh, about a month from now uh, so anyway yeah this is uh this is the new podcast episode and it's basically the audio from two different youtube videos that i did about new atheism and uh about what what I think is the nature of religion and also the connection um, between new atheism and scientific materialism and uh, what's common in those, you know, belief systems and how they're actually somewhat one and the same. And uh, so without any further ado, here are my thoughts on those topics. Hey, what's up? Today, uh, I'm just going to talk a little bit about new atheism and uh, why I think it's stupid. Um, so in my uh, in my video about the second part of the Harris-Peterson talk, uh, I had a comment on that video uh, that I should do uh, another video about why I think the new atheists uh, reject God or reject religion on superficial grounds, I think was the terminology I used or he used. Um, and so, you know, obviously in that, in that talk, uh, Peterson and Harris, uh, Peterson describes himself as a deeply religious person and he's very interested in uh, symbolism and uh, mysticism uh, that comes from religious stories. And Sam Harris is famous or f perhaps infamous for, uh, being uh, one of the new atheists and one of the four horsemen along with Dawkins, Hitchens, and uh, Dennett. Um, so obviously, you know, they have two totally different conceptions about what religion actually means and what the concept of God is. So they're naturally going to talk past one another, past one, uh, one another and that's exactly what happened in that talk. Um, although it was much more civil than their first meeting, um, you know, there was still an ontological roadblock there as far as, like, coming to some common ground, common understanding 
of uh, what religion is, you know? Um, what does it mean? What does it help us to do? Um, that sort of thing. And I think those are the questions that Peterson is actually interested in and that Harris um, isn't going to explore at all on principle alone. And um, that's why um, I would regard Peterson as a much higher and, uh, you know, m much more worthy of respect um, uh, public intellectual. And another reason why I, I can't take someone like Harris seriously uh, is because there are certain questions that he is simply going to avoid, you know, and same is the case with the other new atheists. Um, anyway, I'm just going to go through a few like very common new atheistic uh, arguments against the existence of God or uh, religion. Um, and I'm just going to, you know, explain why I think those aren't good reasons uh, or why what the fundamental problems are with them. Um, so, you know, Richard Dawkins uh, speaks, has spoken before of this uh, theistic spectrum uh, from one to seven, where uh, someone who's at a one is uh, totally religious, believes that God exists, and someone who's at a seven completely denies or rejects the idea uh, that God exists. And that there's that someone who's right in the middle at a four out of seven is an agnostic and um, claims that there's like either a 50 50 probability uh, that God exists um, or something or the other. <laughs> so, okay, that, that's just a quick little Dawkins ish uh, tidbit. Uh, Christopher Hitchens, the late Christopher Hitchens, uh, famous, uh, probably the most famous of the new atheists and uh, one of the most powerful speakers on the issue. Um, his fundamental idea was that the probability um, is so low that you shouldn't believe in God. The probability that he exists um, is so low you shouldn't believe in it. Um, and that it won't help us with objective inquiry. Um, and that's what we should focus on is rationality and science and stuff. Uh, philosopher um, John Searle, not as radical an atheist as the others, but certainly in, uh, I guess, an ontological agnostic, we could call him. Um, he would say that uh, the rational person um, would be agnostic because one can't demonstrate a universal negative, uh, nor can one demonstrate a universal affirmative. Right, um, so you can't be entirely empirically certain uh, of anything. Um, fair enough. Uh, it's hard to accept. Also, he says uh, that it's hard to accept that something we want to believe may not exist, such as uh, that we'll see our deceased friends and family after we die. Uh, is like a good example of that. Like we want that so deeply to be true that um, many people will believe it. Right. Uh, Bertrand Russell, a uh, philosopher, logician, mathematician from the late uh, 19th, early 20th century, um, he would say that uh, if, if he were at the gates uh, for Judgment Day, you know, if it turned out that God did exist, um, uh, he would be kind of mad at God. He would say, well, you just didn't give us enough evidence, right? So how was I supposed to believe in God, especially like how were the we smart people supposed to believe in God, you know? Um, 
so I, I think these all, all four of these guys, along with uh, people like uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, who's going to say, oh, I'm an agnostic because, well, show me some evidence. Just show me some evidence. And I think there are videos on YouTube that last like seven minutes long um, that basically uh, involve him just repeating that over and over and over again like an insane person right um so (laughs) one of the fundamental questions on that note is uh what constitutes evidence well all all five of these guys that i've mentioned uh have the same conception of what evidence is and that is evidence within the scientific realm uh you could call it um philosophical materialism uh uh, i guess i'll use uh the words uh, of uh, Rupert Sheldrake, because he he put it very neatly, is that scientism, which is a very uh, widespread belief in the academy, scientism is the belief that uh, science already understands the nature of reality, um, even at its deepest philosophical level, um, in, in general or in principle leaving only the details to be filled in. So um, if you ask someone who's a scien, uh, who subscribes to scientism or puts scientism uh, above all other belief systems, um, or sci- you know, the belief in the scientific method, wh- however you want to say it, uh, is there anything that science can't answer, any question that science can't answer? They'll say, well, no. There are plenty of things that science doesn't have an answer for now, but... Um, eventually science will be able to answer that question, no matter what it is. Uh, it could even be a moral question. Um, and that's what the moral realists believe today, is that um, moral truth is uh, nested inside what we can know empirically and scientifically, right? Um, so what constitutes evidence for these people? Well, uh, someone who believes in scientism, uh, that science as a belief system, uh, is generally going to be a materialist as well. And all of the people who I mentioned on this list are definitely materialists. Uh, and I, I'm not exactly sure how materialism can exist in its in its purest form, uh, but maybe that's another discussion for another time. Uh, but materialism is the belief that uh, reality is comprised of matter. That's it. Any subjective meaning, purpose, anything like that uh, doesn't exist. Um now, one problem with this is that, you know, whenever you eliminate the subjectivity from anything, um, you know, how exactly can, how exactly does that argument not implode on itself? Uh, because what you mean by empiricism, empirical science, is what you can detect through your five senses, what you can experience yourself. Um, you need to... Uh, you know, be there to hear the tree fall in the forest to know conclusively that the tree did fall in the forest. Um, so that's like a sort of conceptual problem, I guess there. Uh, and you know, if we, if we ground what we, con- uh, what we regard as evidence, uh, as what can be reduced to, uh, our five senses, um, then, well, our five senses are an intersubjective system. It's something that evolves over uh, millions and millions of years, and it's you know it becomes something science uh, scientific inquiry then becomes something that we cannot separate 
from the means by which we uh, we observe it, right? Uh, our five senses. Okay, so uh, also, you know, all the new atheists uh, really believe that this question of does God exist or not is the fundamental important question, fundamentally important question in religion, and uh, whether or not religion should um, persist as uh, any number of its, you know, uh, denominations or ideologies all over the world, any of its interpretations, I guess. Um, but I, I don't think that the existence of God is really the issue. I think uh, we should be exploring what is God, because a lot of these people they, they presuppose that they understand what the conception of God is. And God isn't, you know, as far as I can tell, uh, you know, the conception of God exists in some form or another in every single religion. Um, so it, it's kind of, God is more of an archetype than a person or a thing. And the concept of God certainly isn't grounded in anything material. So it's nothing that you can explore scientifically at all. You know, he's not, or it is not a material entity. Um, so I, I think the conception of God is, and what it is, what its nature is, is uh, is definitely up for question, and it's unknown, you know? But, ah, so the nature of God is unknown. That's very interesting, because what I think God is, is a representative of the unknown. And I think that on the, on the most specific and the most general level, right? Uh, like God is, is just that thing that you fear. You fear, um, you fear unknown territory. You fear the road less traveled. You fear, um, you know, going home and, uh, going home and dealing with your own demons in your household, you know? Now, like, the scientific method may be extremely uh, important to you in your work, um, but think about what you know, what's relevant to your life, um, apart from your career, you know? Scientific questions and, and the methods are very important uh, at your workplace if you're a scientist, but when you go home, you're going to have to deal with your wife and your kids and um, confront, uh, you know, problems, uh, conceptual problems, um, with your family and your friends and your, uh, and within yourself, you know, um, to, to work through those things, um, we can understand even some of the, you know, the, the details, the technical details about how, uh, how certain emotions are processed in the brain and things like that. But, uh, science isn't going to tell us where those, um, where those causes, where, where the initial causes of those um, emotional states came from, you know? And usually th those things are grounded in some sort of moral decision uh, that you made, rightly or wrongly, you know? And it's why when you, you know, use your, when you take your free will for granted and um, you make a wrong moral decision, you lie or you cheat or steal, you know, it's, it eats at you. Um, you made the wrong decision. Uh, something in your, something in your moral framework, um, either was disrupted or there was a piece missing somewhere that didn't allow you to, uh, make that right moral decision, you know? And, you know, that's, 
that's your fault to to a very large extent you know you can blame it on someone else but it's no one else's fault you know it might be circum circum uh might be due to the circumstances or of your your context your surroundings but um anyway uh another thing that the new atheists um do uh when, when they discuss politics and things is they they like to reduce all of the problems of the world down to religion and everyone likes a simple explanation i understand that but uh they do it with religion specifically and there are a bunch of deductions that you can make once you decide okay the fundamental problem is religion so uh, what else can we reduce from that? Well, lots of stuff, but it doesn't mean it's right. You know what I mean? So uh, I think they, they grant religion way too much credit in that regard. Uh, but, you know, you tend to do that whenever you're, you know, blaming, when you're not, you know, taking responsibility for something yourself or uh, when you have, um, you'd prefer to project, you know, the fault uh of, of certain undesirable occurrences in the world onto a system. You know, it's easy to attack a system rather than an individual or even a group of individuals, you know. And religion just happens to be that uh, system that's trendy to blame. Uh, and that's what new atheism does a lot of times. So, um, I guess that's, that's all I'm going to say for now um i guess next video I'll, I'll probably talk a little bit about uh where a moral framework comes from and why uh why atheists can have a, a good you know a decent moral framework uh without god or religion or some structure like that but uh they'll live in ignorance um as far as uh knowing where those structures came from because they're sort of archetypal uh, in nature. Um, anyway, yeah, that's it for now. Hey, what's up? Uh, this video is a follow-up from my last, uh, atheist video where I talked a little bit about new atheism, probably in a somewhat obtuse fashion. Uh, I know I probably could have taken notes and done better on it, but, uh, Anyway, this is a response to um, a long comment that Absque Religione posted. I think I'm getting that right. I don't speak Latin. Sorry. Um, but there were just a few points that I wanted to pick out of there, some uh, things I wanted to clarify and address in this video. And I, I guess the first thing I want to say is that much like pretty much every other uh, atheist response to a video on YouTube, um, uh, this particular comment was filled with uh, disrespectful ad hominem remarks, and uh, it was quite untactful um, and and just resentful all around. And um, and that's very characteristic of atheists, new atheists in particular. They tend to be thin-skinned and they anger very easily, and one thing about someone who angers very easily is that he's uh, not very confident in his position. He hasn't given sufficient uh, thought to it uh, in order to defend it without insulting someone. Uh, atheists generally can't just attack the, the content. They have to attack the person, and that's one of the main indicators of ignorance. Uh, so 
maybe that says something about, uh, you know, I'd like to defend atheists sometimes in that um, I, I believe they can have a decent moral framework uh, by which to live apart from, um, apart from organized religion. I do think that uh, there are religious substructures at the foundations of our uh, culture that we don't really realize that underlie um, lots of our actions and our conceptions of good and evil. Um, and, you know, you, you can't, you don't have to attribute that to organized religion if you don't want to, but uh, you go far back enough in history and it did come from uh, some, you know, religious uh, um, group or agreement or um, some religious system of some sort. And it's, it's archetypal in nature, I would say. Uh, but anyway, um, just want to, you know, pick out a few points that were in that comment and uh, clarify those problems, because I think they are general questions that atheists raise. Um, and luckily enough for you and for the other viewers, uh, I'm a reasonable enough guy to not be affected emotionally by, uh, by your ad hominem remarks. Um, I can pick out the content and separate that from all the shenanigans uh, that was in the comments. So uh, the first thing, I'll, I'll get right into it. The first thing was about uh, there was some confusion over the definition of the nature of God. Um, the commenter seemed to be equating uh, the nature of God with nature out there in the woods. Uh, like he said, the nature of God is nature. Um, okay, fair enough. I can kind of see maybe what you mean by that. But when I say the nature of God, what I mean is um, the philosophical investigation of God. Philosophy generally... Uh, explores the nature of things, the fundamental part of its being, its essence, uh, the concept in the raw, you know, so to speak. Um, um, so now, that's easy to determine if you're a materialist. You understand the nature of anything if you're a materialist, right? Because everything's founded in matter, uh, down to its most fundamental part. Uh, that's matter. It's, you know, subatomic particles, I guess. But, you know, you delve, the problem with that already is that you delve deeply enough into that realm. Things become so crazy and chaotic that literally no one can understand them. And, you know, we can't, um, we, we can't magnify our understanding of something down to the, the level that we would need to, to like, really uh, grasp the, the meaning of whatever is going on down there is, you know? I don't know if that's clear, but um, but anyway, if, if materialism is true, if all reality is founded in material stuff and nothing more, and there's no subjectivity, there's no meaning, there's no purpose, uh, there are no goals that we act toward, blah, 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 um, no free will, etc., then there's no point of doing philosophy, and I, I don't think that's true at all. I think philosophy has a, a you know very important role in today's society, probably more so now than ever and you know philosophy and critical thinking is is hugely important because things are getting crazy right now aren't they uh and say what you want about that but um i, I guess you know why material materialism doesn't work is a very you know big topic and there are people who have done that very well um but I'll, just to keep a long story short i'll leave you with a pragmatic approach to that um go out and try to live according to materialism, scientific or philosophical materialism. Go out and try to act as if you don't have a mind, as if everything is nature rather than nurture. 
um, what you, you're going to get there is determinism, uh, that everything is predetermined and that um, you don't have to take responsibility for anything in your life. And that could lead you down a very dark path, um, to keep a long story short. Um, and, you know, also, uh, it's going to produce something that many of the new atheists and the materialists, especially in the public sphere, aren't going to like very much. Um, and it's that you're not allowed to take credit for anything. If you don't have a mind and you don't have free will and everything's predetermined, then you're not allowed to take credit for anything. And trust me, those new atheists and materialist scientists out there who are sort of the faces of, you know, science and atheism, you know, Richard Dawkins, Chris Hitchens, Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, just to name a few, those guys are so damn arrogant. They don't want to not be able to take credit for anything. It's not humbling to them. It would burn them up inside. They would absolutely implode. They would have no meaning or purpose in their life. That, that would be the point that they realize that they're nothing, you know? Um, Lawrence Krauss has, you know, that talk, uh, why is there something rather than nothing? And, oh, it's, it's humbling to know that you're just a speck in the universe and that you mean nothing. It's like, really try to act as if you actually believe that and see what happens. Um, and I'll leave you with that right there. Um, uh, on the, on, on the ontology and existence of God. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it, it is an important issue. I'm not saying it's not important at all, uh, but in order to argue about the ontology or existence of God, one must know something about its nature. You don't have to understand its fundamental being necessarily, like in a deeply philosophical sense. That's why those things are still up for debate, right? But um, we can discover something about its nature uh, based on usage uh, from a pragmatic uh, point of view. How do we use God as a tool to, um, you know, as a moral framework to better yourself, to face the unknown, uh, to pit good against evil and um, try to allow good to win out in your life, you know, and that, that'll come down to free will. Um, and, and, you know, we can discuss the science, we can discuss science in the same way. It's through usage uh, that we understand something about the nature of science. Obviously, the, the nature of science in itself is something that philosophers are still debating to this day to a very large extent. Some of them rightly, uh, and some of them seem to miss some big issues um, on, on the topic. But it's through usage that we understand, you know, as much as we can about, uh, as much as we do about science. And that can be good, which means we would be using it as a tool to better ourselves and better society, um, but not better ourselves in the same way that morals better ourselves uh, in more of a physiological way, of course, in a, in a more material way, empirical way. Um, or it can be bad, just like religion can be. It can delve into dogma. And um, materialists pretty much are on that boat. Uh, and new atheists too, for that matter. Um, so... It's, it's through usage. It's through a pragmatic approach to something that we can determine whether it's good or evil, right? Or good or bad or whatever. Um, so th there was another part of the comment about uh, atheism not being a belief system, as, it, uh, as atheism being simply a reactive position 
um, reactive position to theism and the problems with theism. But I, I'm still not convinced that atheists understand the real problems with theism. And I, I think the real problem, I'll tell you right now, I think the problems with theism boil down to the individual. Uh, there are no systems that are in and of themselves bad or corrupt or evil. That's a human trait to be bad or corrupt or evil. It, it's, it's a trait of something or someone who has free will to be good, uh, to be good or bad or uh, poor or evil or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of just to miss the point, you know. It's like if you, uh, let's see, if you take atheism as a purely reactive position and not as as a point of view, uh, so to speak, or a, or a belief structure, you're that's to do so without regard to the values that um, religion has ingrained in us and in our culture. And uh, it's, you know, religion has set the substructure for Western society, in fact. Um, look at Western Judeo-Christian cultures. They tend to be the least corrupt on average. They have their fair share of problems, of course, but they tend to be the least corrupt and uh, the least violent and least insane cultures in the world, you know? Um, and then we've seen in the 20th century what happens when you try to build a purely secular society. Everyone dies. That's what fascist Germany was. That's what uh, Soviet, the Soviet Union was. Um, that's what uh, Maoist China was. Ten, tens, over 100 million people died as a result of sex, secular thinking because... Um, Nietzsche, well, when Nietzsche announced the death of God, um, he was worried that, you know, people would, well, they've, they've taken the, the moral substructure out from under themselves, out from under their culture. And so they wouldn't know how to act. They wouldn't know how to live. Um, but he, I think he wrongly thought that, um, humans would be able to create new values on their own, secular values. And well, that's what the, uh, Soviets and the Maoist, uh, Maoists did in China. Um, and we, we saw the result of that. So, um, anyway, so, um, atheism only becomes proactive when it decides to project fault, uh, onto the system itself rather than to individuals. So it's to miss the whole point about individuality, which is what, um, you know, Western society is based on, and is what Christianity and Western religions are based on, um, that you have an individual choice to do good or evil. And if you do good, then you'll be rewarded, and generally you are. And to do bad, you'll, um, you won't get away with it, generally speaking. And there's even a doctrine in the East that will agree with that, and that is the concept of uh, karma. You know, if, if you make the wrong moral decisions, you're not going to get away with it. And, and generally you don't. Um, and, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really pain me to say this, but like I, I grew up in Louisiana, not far from New Orleans. And when Katrina hit, I didn't really, I, I didn't really feel sorry for anyone. Um, maybe a few individuals, but I didn't feel sorry for New Orleans on the whole. You know, I didn't pray for New Orleans. I didn't, you know, it, look, this is, this was the problem. You know, the hurricane didn't cause the, the levees to break. 
corruption caused the levees to break. And that's what flood myths are all about. It was a, it was a typical flood myth, you know. Things get corrupt enough, which they were and still are in Louisiana. Louisiana is the most politically corrupt uh, s- state in the Union. Um, God will send a flood. You know, that's that's the idea. You don't have to attribute that to God, the guy in the sky. It's not what God is, really. Um, but, you know, two questions arise whenever something like that happens. Something in nature. Something that so many people perceive to be horrible. You know, but but really, it was the results, directly or indirectly, of um, humans being careless or reckless or immoral, and which Louisiana certainly is. <laughs> All of those things, New Orleans in particular. I mean, Jesus Christ, man, it's sin fucking city. You know, um, two questions arise there. It's first, why did this happen? And don't attribute it to nature. Don't attribute it to anything other than yourself and your own poor, poor decisions. Um, take responsibility for it, you know. And then the qu- second question is, what are you going to do about it so that it doesn't happen again? And that means act better, you know, on every level of analysis that you possibly can. Make yourself better first. You know, you have your own problems to fix. Don't go fuck up someone else's life, you know, if yours is fucked up already, you know. Um, You can't help anyone if you can't help yourself, truly, you know. So help yourself and then help your friends and family and then help your community and then help the world if you want to, you know. If if you get to that point, because it's difficult to get to the point where you straighten everything out in your own life, in your immediate circle, you know. So... That's that's what religion is really about, you know. Um, look, I but atheists tend to punish the whole class because a couple kids are misbehaving, and those couple kids are the fundamentalists. And yeah, the fundamentalists are crazy and radical and don't know what the hell they're talking about. Uh, no one should say otherwise, you know. But the the reality is that this concept of good versus evil is a real thing and it's very very old it's been around as as long as humans have existed and have had language and um been drawing pictures uh you know painting pictures on cave walls um and like it so it depends what you do with it and it comes down your free will as to whether or not uh something is good or evil especially a, a structure like religion um and and look science again science can be viewed as good or evil in that regard too you know you can either cure disease or make an atom bomb and even then curing diseases isn't always a morally good thing either depending on how you manage that and uh, making an atom bomb isn't always a bad thing depending on how you manage that too right it'll always be a bad thing on some level of analysis just like curing disease will always be a good thing on some level of analysis but you know what i mean right um so good versus evil is an undeniable reality, and it, it lies at the bottom of all religious narratives. Um, they're embodied; it's embodied in all religious narratives, universally, cross-culturally, everywhere. Um, so, also one thing that atheists like to do is punish uh, the whole class because a couple kids are misbehaving in terms of like that universal cross-religious uh, idea as well, because Islam 
is so, you know, corrupt and produces so much violence. Well, it's a religion and Christianity's a religion and it shares some things in common. Uh, so Christianity must be a huge problem too. And, um, so you just lump the atheists tend to just lump all of the religions together and call them bad, you know, well, it's easy to rid yourself of responsibility. Um, but you know, is it true? I'm not buying it. So maybe I'll do a follow up depending on how the response is to this, but I think this video is probably a lot better than, uh, the last. So <laughs> tell me, tell me what you think. Cause I, I actually took notes this time. Yeah. So uh, tell me what you think in the comments below, and uh, I'll see you next time. Cheers.